Well, here we are. We have our first online service. We really had hoped this wouldn't be the circumstances in which we would do this, but but here we are. And uh, we are going through a, a pretty incredible time right now, not just as a church, but as a community, as a nation, and really as a world. This pandemic is affecting us all. And I believe that if we are open, it can actually pull us together. It can draw us together to be the people of God, to be the church that we want to be. So I know that there's probably a lot of questions that people have as to what church is going to look like in the future. And we don't have all of the answers right now. All we can say is for right now, we are having these online services and we're going to experiment with what we can do during the service. And we would love to get your input if there is anything that you have that you would like uh, to be included in this. Uh, so we have a, a few announcements to bring to your attention. Uh, as you know, uh, the uh, weekday programs are not going right now, and uh, that's going to be for the foreseeable future. Uh, we actually don't know uh, when things are going to be back to normal. Uh, the deacons are going to be talking uh, next week, and we are going to try to discern uh, what is the best way in terms of timelines of when things can begin to, to get back to normal. So please be praying for the deacons to um, have wisdom in terms of, of what we're going to be doing with that. Um, one of the things i like to mention too is we're going to be having prayer a little bit later on in the uh, service. And at that time, if you want, you can type in uh, just even the first name of someone that you would like prayer for or a situation that you would like prayer for. And uh, that will be uh, a part of our prayer. We won't necessarily mention those names uh, by name, but as you type that out, that will be included in our prayer. And I will... Uh, oh, uh, one other announcement. Uh, Lunch Bunch right now is set to be uh, going on in April, but again, we will get back to you on that. We don't know what is happening. Uh, the situation is changing day by day, uh, even hour by hour. So we will be letting you know what is happening with that ministry. I wanted to update you too uh, when we are talking about uh, our mission trip this summer. Unfortunately, with all of the travel, I think that uh, it is the best thing for us not to go to Cuba this summer, uh, which is really unfortunate, but I think that um, things are just so up in the air that uh, it's just not wise or prudent to be planning something like that. Um, one of the other things that I want to talk about is the one-ton challenge. And so we are not meeting here, obviously, uh, but I would encourage you still to either put things aside for the one-ton challenge. You can uh, call Steve or I here at the office, um, and we would be willing even to come and pick something up. If you want to make a donation, you can uh, do that uh, through our website um, and do an online donation. But now more than ever, the food bank is going to need our help uh, with so many people who have been laid off. They've already seen a 23% increase, so this is a need that will be ongoing and probably even more so. So if we could uh, keep those givings, that would be great. 
we are going to uh, start uh, with our service part uh, with a reading from Psalm. And just before we get started, I want to invite you to drop your shoulders, to take a big, deep breath, and recognize that we are all in this together, that God is here in our midst, that uh, we are unified, maybe on a digital front, but our spirits are gathered here in this place. Psalm 21. O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices, and in your salvation how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked life of you, and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your, through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king's trust in the Lord. And through the steadfast love, the most high, he shall not be moved. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as blazing as a blazing oven when you appear. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath and fire will consume them. You will not destroy their descendants from the earth and their offspring from among the children of man. Though they may plan evil against you, though they devise mischief, they will not succeed. For you will put them to flight. You will aim at their faces with your bows. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. A Lenten Devotion Lord Jesus Christ, you have walked where we walk, and now you help us in our weakness. Blessed be your name. Lord Jesus Christ, you have been tempted as we have, and now you have come to help us in our danger. Blessed be your name. Lord Jesus Christ, you have suffered for us, And now you help us when we reach our wit's end. Blessed be your name. Lord Jesus Christ, you were deserted and betrayed, and now you are with us when all others have gone. Blessed be your name. Lord Jesus Christ, companion Christ, friend and Savior, we adore you, we love you, we need you. Help us to follow. This is the place, and this is the time. Here and now, God awaits. To break into our experience, to change our minds, to change our lives, to change our ways, to make us see the world and the whole of life in a new light, to fill us with hope, joy, and certainty, For the future. This is the place, 
as are all places. This is the time, as are all times, here and now. Let us praise God. And now I'll read from Romans 5, verses 6 to 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to read something that I wrote a few years ago. Uh, It was as a reflection of a time of communion. Uh, But for me in this time, uh, I keep coming back to it. Uh, It is entitled, The Invitation. Even when you are far, your voice carries on the wind. Even though I don't know where you are, you are always with me. Inside my soul, calling out, shouting, whispering, doing whatever you can to get my attention. The outside world beckons me away, and I'm distracted, unfocused. I know I need to look inside to find you, but the world is playing on my senses. I'm miserable, unchecked wandering in a sea of forgetfulness. When did I lose my ability to retain, to remember? I'm doomed to repeat my mistakes over and over. If I fail to remember, I drift amnesic, suspended in time. Somewhere on the wind I hear you, in the whisper of the trees, and the smell of the rain. The memory calls back to me. You are calling, knocking. My door is open, and yet I can't seem to find the words or the courage to greet you. I'm ashamed, embarrassed. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, I am hiding from you, aware of my wickedness and evil. I cower in the shadows of the room, holding my breath and frozen with fear. I see you and you smile. You are good, loving and all-knowing. You accept me for who I am and in spite of all that I've done, you reach to embrace me. Your eyes are tender as you see my form. You are unashamed. I am your child. You long to heal me, to walk with me through this difficult time. You invite me into conversation, extending grace by your very presence with me. You welcome me to dine and to remember your sacrifice, to sit at your table and commune with you. We are going to go to the Lord in prayer, and at this time I would invite you, if you are listening, to start to type in those names of people that you want to remember in prayer, and they will become part of that prayer together as we unite our hearts. So let's pray. God, 
creator of the world, the master and ruler of our lives, we come to you this morning filled with so many emotions. We are gathered here together in this digital space, and we are uniting our hearts together to call out on your name. God, you hear the cries of your creation all across this globe. People are dying. Families are mourning. Frontline staff feel the weight of their jobs very keenly in this time of COVID-19. We take these next few moments to pray for our Prime Minister Trudeau and Premier Ford and Mayor Senzik. We thank you for the ways their presence has helped calm our fears. We thank you for their leadership. We ask that you would give them strength and wisdom as they lead us as a nation through these unusual and unprecedented times. We thank you for the work of healthcare workers, public health nurses, doctors, PSWs, DSWs, for police officers, for firefighters and paramedics who are fielding not only the virus itself, but also the fear and anxiety of so, that so many people are feeling in the midst of this pandemic. Strengthen them in the days and weeks and months to come. God, we pray for the organizations who are helping the most vulnerable in our community, those who are experiencing homelessness and poverty. Even before COVID-19 came into play, this system was taxed. And now, God, they will be needed even more as so many people are without employment and have been laid off. Help us who are able to, to contribute to do the right thing, even through the fear of running out ourselves. Help us to, continue, to contribute to food banks and to pray for them. God, I pray for those within our church community who need a special touch from you. There are things to be thankful for. Successful surgeries, safe flights home from across the world, for the many phone calls that have taken place. Thank you for your provision. We lift up the names of those people who are on our hearts to you now. Specifically, we pray for John, Jeanette, Heather, Atul, Wendy and Christina, Donna and her family, the family of Phyllis. We pray for those who are alone in self-isolation. We ask that you would give them a sense of your peace and presence. Surround them with your love and your grace. God, in this ever-changing and rapidly changing time, when each news broadcast brings us new information, may we remember your words to us, that your steadfast love never ceases, that your goodness never comes to an end. Great is your faithfulness, O God. May we remember these words when the moments of fear may overwhelm us. Amen. At this time in our service, we're going to have the offering. So at any moment, you'll hear a knock on the door as an usher approaches your home. 
I'm just kidding about that, but we do need to do the offering. And so there's a number of options for you. One is for you just to put aside your envelopes each week. And whenever we get back together or uh, even sooner, if you want to mail those in, uh, you can do that. It's also a good time for you to look into the PAR program, which is a pre-authorized giving. And you can talk to Donna Van Wienen. If you contact her, she would um, be happy to pass on information about how to do that. That's how we as a family uh, give each, uh, each month. We do it through that so we don't have to worry about envelopes uh, each time. So that's one way that you can do it. Another way that you would be able to give is through online giving. And that is a, a great opportunity right now, especially. And so if you want to give over and above uh, to the food bank, you can actually go onto our website. Uh, you can uh, click on the online giving uh, section of our menu and that will take you where you need to go for that. Uh, so you can give your regular tithes and offerings that way, or you can uh, mark it down as uh, for something else as well. And you still get your uh, regular receipt, uh, even with online giving. That uh, does not affect anything. So uh, please consider that. The expenses of the church are going to continue on whether we have uh, in-person services or not. So we really do appreciate your ongoing faithfulness in that area. Uh, this morning, what I'm going to do is read to you from uh, Psalm, or sorry, from Luke uh, 23, verses 1 to 25. And this is a continuation of our series on the Gospel of Luke. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted, He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform some miracle. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressing him in an elegant robe, They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends before they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. With one voice, they cried out, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! 
Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to him, appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. God, we thank you for this passage of Scripture, and we ask that you would guide us as we reflect on the meaning of what took place as Jesus stood before Pilate and Herod. We, pray, we ask, Lord, that uh, wherever we might be at this time, that your word would come alive to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we took a look at the religious trial of Jesus, where he stood before the Sanhedrin, and they accused him of blasphemy, and it was revealed that Jesus was claiming to be both the Messiah and the Son of God. This week, what we're looking at is the criminal trial of Jesus, where he stands before Pilate and also before Herod. Now, when we look at these two trials, we see that they're are some differences between them. It's a different setting, different people. There are even different charges. But there are similarities as well. Uh, In the last trial, we saw that there was a special revelation of who Jesus was, being the Messiah and Son of God. What we're going to see in this trial is also another revelation, a revelation that Jesus is King. And this is an important message for us. Even though Pilate and Herod did not believe that Jesus was real, really the king. Uh, he was, and we have that revelation to us. And so we're going to take a look at what that trial looked like. So when Jesus stood before the Sanhedrin, uh, their main concern with Jesus was, again, the, the charge of blasphemy, the fact that he was uh, claiming to be the Messiah, but even worse, that he was claiming to be the Son of God. And that was a major uh, crime as far as they were concerned because uh, they had such a strong belief in the nature of God and for him to have a son was just completely against what they believed. So they were very upset about this. So why didn't the Sanhedrin just act on that? Well, we have to remember that uh, Galilee and Judea at this time uh, were occupied by the Romans. And the Romans put certain restrictions upon the Jewish people and their leaders. And one of those restrictions was that they were not allowed to use capital punishment. They were not allowed to execute people. They could punish people in other ways, but they could not punish them through capital punishment. Now, did uh, Jewish mobs or uh, other people uh, ever go against this and execute people? Of, of course, that did happen. We see that actually in the book of Acts with Stephen. But generally, they tried to avoid it. And that was especially important at this time because this was during the Passover where Jerusalem was filled with pilgrims. And they knew that if they tried to execute 
through mob rule, a, uh, a popular teacher like Jesus, that they would have a lot of trouble on their hands. And so to do that, they handed Jesus over to the Romans because the Romans, they had the authority to execute people. But the problem with that is uh, the Romans were not going to be interested in a charge of blasphemy. The, the Romans really didn't care what the Jewish people believed. Uh, they weren't interested in more Jewish squabbles. They were used to the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, debating each other. And really, they just didn't care. It wasn't important to them. And the Sanhedrin knew that. And that's why when they brought Jesus to Pilate, they made sure to highlight the fact that Jesus was claiming to be a king. Because that was something that the Romans would be interested in. Now, there were kings within the Roman Empire. That was something that was possible. But the only way that could happen was if the uh, emperor gave a person the authority and the responsibility for taking on the title of a king. If someone just took that uh, title and that role upon themselves without Roman authority, they would find themselves in a lot of trouble. Uh, they would be facing Roman violence if they did something like that. And so uh, for someone just to claim to be a king, that was uh, an act of uh, disloyalty and even an act of rebellion. And so the Romans would be able to respond in a certain way to that. And so Pilate asks Jesus if he is indeed a king. And Jesus acknowledges it. And so the, the, here we have something very similar to what happened where uh, Jesus acknowledges that he is the, the Messiah and he acknowledges that he's the Son of God. Uh, here in his trial before Pilate, he acknowledges that he is indeed the King of the Jews. But then Pilate uh, finds out that Jesus was from Galilee and uh, Pilate was really only in charge of the area of Judea. And so he saw an opportunity for him to get out of this difficult position by sending Jesus over to Herod. Now, this Herod is the son of King Herod, the one who had tried to have Jesus killed when he was a little baby. And uh, he was in charge of Galilee, and so uh, Jesus goes before him. And it's an interesting account of their this story, because uh, Jesus was willing to respond to the Sanhedrin, uh, even slightly, uh, and he was willing to respond uh, to Pilate, but he has no interest in responding to Herod's questions. He completely ignores Herod. And eventually, uh, Herod has Jesus dressed up as a king, so he is aware of this claim that Jesus is the king of the Jews, and uh, he has him dressed up, and they beat him. Now, this is really important because uh, Herod would not have liked uh, the fact that Jesus was uh, claiming to be king, because I mentioned that uh, he was the son of Herod the Great. Uh, Herod the Great was a king. He, In fact, he had the title King of the Jews, but he was given that title by Caesar. Now, this Herod that Jesus is standing before, sometimes he is referred to as a king or he thought of himself as a king, but he never actually was given that authority and he was not given that title by the Romans. And so because of that, uh, Herod was not too happy with Jesus and had him uh, beaten and mocked and so on. And so eventually he sends him back 
to Pilate. And Pilate is forced to deal with him. Now, Pilate, we see in this passage, doesn't really see that Jesus has committed any terrible crime. Uh, Of course, uh, he has admitted to being the king of the Jews, but Pilate really doesn't want to act upon that. And so he wants to have uh, Jesus just beaten and released. But the uh, the people will have no, no part of that. And eventually... Uh, Barabbas comes into the picture. And Barabbas is someone who has rebelled against the Romans in, in a real way, much more than what Jesus has done, and has actually killed. And it's ironic because actually the name Barabbas is Aramaic for son of the father. And so we have Jesus as the, the true son of the father uh, versus uh, Barabbas, uh, a different kind of son of the father. And we see that the crowd is yelling for Barabbas to be released, and for Jesus to be crucified. Now, we shouldn't see this as being about the Jewish people in general being against Jesus. Uh, We are meant to see in this that the crowd is being incited by the Jewish leaders. And this is uh, key because Pilate, uh, he knows that his job is make sure to protect Roman authority, but he doesn't really want to act on it in this way. But the one thing that he really does fear is that there would be a riot in Jerusalem during the time of the Passover because uh, Caesar would not be happy with that and Pilate could end up losing his job or worse if that happened. And so the Sanhedrin is very aware of, of Pilate's weaknesses and they manipulate him through that by inciting the crowd to, uh, to call for Jesus' crucifixion. And so Jesus is accused and condemned, and we will see what will happen. But what is the relevance uh, for us today, other than the curiosity we might have about what was happening at Jesus' trial? Why should we care about anything about this? Well, it is important because the earliest Christian creed, uh, long before the Nicene Creed, long before the Apostles' Creed, the earliest Christian creed that there was was simply, Jesus is Lord. Now, we might think when we hear those words, that's so simple. Like, what's the big deal with Jesus is Lord? And yet, that simple creed is something that got a lot of Christians into trouble. Because as soon as we say that Jesus is Lord, we're also saying that Caesar is not Lord. We have to remember that the Romans didn't really care what people believed in uh, religiously. They didn't care what religion you belonged to. You didn't have to worship the Roman gods. They didn't care about those things. You could worship whoever you wanted as long as you were also willing to confess that Caesar is Lord. But these Christians, they were saying that Jesus is Lord and they were refusing to acknowledge that Caesar is Lord. You see, the Romans and the Christians both agreed that only one could sit on the throne. They disagreed, though, about who it was who was on that throne. Christians were claiming that Jesus was on the throne. Well, what does that mean for us? Well, we still have that same creed, Jesus is Lord. But what does that mean for us? Well, we're not thinking about it necessarily in terms of conflict with political powers or royal authorities or anything like that. We're not thinking about... uh, uh, rebelling against Queen Elizabeth or rebelling against the Prime Minister. That's not what we're we're necessarily talking about. Rather, there are other things that seek to sit on the throne 
Uh, it, for us, it might not be people, but it might be something like money. It could be popularity. It could be a power. It could be authority. Uh, it could be uh, pleasure. It could be almost anything. Anything that would seek to sit on the throne of our lives other than Jesus. And so this is an ongoing battle that we have, that we always have to ask ourselves, is Jesus the Lord of our life? Or are we just hoping to tack on a little bit of Jesus and then seek uh, um, to have something, some other power ruling in our lives? As I was writing this, this sermon, and as I was thinking about uh, what I was going to say today, and I didn't include this in the written version of my sermon, but I thought that uh, I should acknowledge the, the elephant in the room here uh, when we're talking about the, the situation that we're in right now. Because on social media, I've seen uh, some Christians saying that uh, this idea of us not gathering physically together uh, because the government is advising us not to do that, that that is a wrong thing. We need to uh, rebel against the government and do not do what they tell us to do. We need to gather together and, uh, and just uh, not listen to what the government says about what's going on in this situation. Uh, and they would say, perhaps that we are saying that Caesar is Lord by obeying what the government says. And I would say that that is not applicable to what is happening right now because the government is not targeting churches. There would be a problem if they said that uh, all the movie theaters and all the restaurants and all the other things uh, can stay open, but uh, only churches would have to close. Well, that would be something that we would have to acknowledge. We also have to look at why churches are being closed right now, along with all these other organizations. It's because uh, we want to protect the most vulnerable among us. And so what we're doing, the reason that we're having an online service instead of a physical service is not because the government is forcing us to do it. It's because we love the people of our community, and we want to make sure that this virus goes away. And I'm actually very proud that uh, our leadership team agreed to go in this direction before the government said that you couldn't have a gathering of 50 people or more. Uh, We're not doing this because the government told us we can't do it. We're doing this because we love our people. And Jesus told us the most important thing for us to do is to love God and to love our neighbor. We are loving our neighbor by uh, having um, physical uh, space, that we are not uh, gathering together in a physical space, but rather we're doing it online to protect each other. So I, I thought it was important for us to be aware of that. Now, when I'm saying that we, it's so important for us to put uh, Jesus as King, Jesus as Lord of our life, uh, to make sure that he is the only one that is on the throne, well, that seems so difficult. What happens when we slip up? What happens when we let something else get on the throne there? Well, I would encourage you to read through the Gospels and take a look at those disciples. We see that they struggled to do this all the time. They messed up all the time. And so there is encouragement for us, not encouragement to just let whoever or whatever to sit on the throne other than Jesus, but there is encouragement that we can make better choices, that when we fall, we get back up and we let Jesus have the throne the way that he uh, is meant to. And we also need to remember that Jesus is king, not so he can make our lives miserable, but so that he can give us life and life 
abundant. Uh, He is a benevolent monarch. He is one who only cares for the best for us. And so it is, he is safe for us to have on the throne of our life. We see in this passage that Jesus is king. We saw last week that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. Now we see that Jesus is the king of the Jews. He is the king of the Christians. But this isn't a king that we need to be afraid of. What a friend we have in Jesus. But that Jesus is the king. We are friends with the king. That is so encouraging. In the midst of everything going upside down in the world right now, we can be reminded that we are personal friends with the king of the universe. That is an amazing thing. We see in this passage that Pilate and Herod, uh, even though they heard that Jesus was the king, they did not respond in faith. And they suffered for that. What about us? How will we respond? Will we acknowledge that Jesus is indeed king? Let us pray. God, we thank you for the message that Jesus is king. We thank you for the creed of the early church, that Jesus is Lord. We confess that there are so many claimants to the throne of our lives. There are so many things that want to rule over us. And there are times that we allow them to do that. We ask that you would give us the courage and the discipline to keep that throne for Jesus alone. That Jesus would rule over our lives. That we would submit to his lordship. And in that, find true hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Steve has asked me to uh, sing, and so uh, here it goes. Uh, I would invite you to join with me where you are so I don't feel quite so alone, Uh, but we're going to sing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour I first believed Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come 
His grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me, His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. God, we thank you for the time that we've had together. Even though we haven't been physically together, we are together in spirit. And we pray that you would empower us as we go about our week, as we seek to learn what the new normal is. We ask that in all of that, we would confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. And as we finish our service, I just want to remind you to be compassionate like Jesus, but to wash your hands like Pontius Pilate. God bless you all.